We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Halfway there, we're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Feel the 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live. Welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. We are presented by our partners at Bet Rivers. You can find us on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. You can find us streaming on YouTube, streaming on Twitter. Remember, we are going to be answering questions, so make sure you drop them in the chat. My producer, Dagan Hughes, is monitoring it. He'll be able to feed them to us at the commercial break so we are still live here. Tonight, I'm joined by my partners in crime, Clemson's own Terrence Oglesby and stadium insider Jeff Goodman. We have a loaded show for you we're going to be diving headfirst into the big 12 sec challenge we'll be talking about dukes and baylor's struggles today we're going to be taking a look at some of our risers and fallers across college basketball and we're going to be joined by kentucky star kellen grady but before we do any of that we need to talk about kentucky's 80 to 62 win in fog allen Fieldhouse tonight that is the second worst loss that bill self has taken at home as a jayhawk Jeffrey, what do we make of these Wildcats, man? 286 and 16. That's what Bill Self is at Fog Allen in his career. And you said the biggest loss was against Texas last year. They only had 2,500 fans in, in the building for that loss. So th- this one is the biggest loss of his career. And it came against a team that we still didn't quite know how good Kentucky was. Well, you know what? They're damn good. They are damn good when they're healthy. I think they would have beaten Auburn in Auburn if they had been healthy through that entire game and hadn't lost tie tie for 30 minutes, hadn't lost severe Wheeler for a key four minute stretch due to a second. I don't want to say concussion, but a collision um, from a screen that Oscar big Oscar didn't call out. But listen, the bottom line is this was an absolute shellacking. Absolutely. From start to finish, they dominated this game. They have all the pieces to cut down the nets in New Orleans, all of them. The only thing I would argue is I don't know about the depth, but it seemed to be this game was about the forgotten man. The forgotten man was Keon Brooks. And Kansas tried to throw a couple of different defenses and something that I think a lot of people have been thinking about doing. This triangle and two defense 
with Kellen Grady and Ty Ty Washington and zoning everything else up, in theory, it should work great. Why? 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 Why would you really? I, I didn't like it. Think about it. You have guys inside the paint packed in. Severe yeah. Wheeler hasn't been able to shoot it. Ty Ty Washington and Kellen Grady are those guys that can get hot. The rest of them, they're pain oriented. But Keon Brooks, it's like consistently been the fifth guy on the floor. Fifth offensive but option. You're not even guarding them. You're literally right. not guarding them. I know. Well, well he, he hasn't can, pro- he hasn't proven this point. year that he yeah, that's the point. He's hasn't that's proven point, that Jeff. he can be relied upon. I mean, you can, you're not guarding him. So what does he do? He proved that you need to guard him to go along with your point. 27 100%. and 8. He was terrific. I mean, it came down to him. I was thinking about point guard matchups. I was going to give the edge to Kentucky. The five-man matchup, I was going to give the edge of Kentucky. The wings in the four position, I was leaning towards Kansas. And the fact that he was able to show up and play in the manner in which he played, it was impressive. And they needed that boost. And one other stat, Cal's best teams dominate physically. They offensive rebound 39.1% of their misses. That is an asinine number. That is an insane number for a team that has guys that can hit Oscar. Oscar. I did say Oscar. It's every damn rebound. Every damn rebound that dude gets, he he is a physical specimen. But beyond that, he plays so damn hard. Every possession. Yeah, it's great. I mean, honestly, I love watching him. I love watching this Kentucky team. I really do. I, I went in in the preseason and, and, and put him at like number four, came back from Lexington raving about him. Then, you know what? They just hadn't done enough. Now they've done enough, Rob. Well, you know what the problem was? They they were young in their first game. It was, it was a new group. They had never really played together in the environment. They kind of got run out of uh, Madison Square Garden. They didn't look great in that game. And then in, they didn't play anybody. And then in their two biggest games on the road, they had their backcourt get injured. And once their backcourt went down, you know, the, the you mentioned it, T.O., the depth is an issue. One thing that I don't think it's talked about enough, and I'm curious your take on this, T.O., is that Oscar Sheway's ability to get on the glass as like a one-man wrecking crew on both ends of the floor, it, it, it kind of works like they have two people inside on the glass. So you can have one more guy leaking out to try to get out in transition. Uh, you don't need to send three or four people to the offensive glass to get offensive rebounds because you got Big Sheev in there and he's going to go get himself. It, it like frees up an extra guy. It's almost like uh, when you have um, when you when you have a cornerback that can cover somebody, uh, cover a wide receiver. You don't have to worry about having safety help, right? You put mm-hmm. them on Revis Island, something like that. And it's, Re- it's like Revis you have an, Island. Yeah, it's like you have an extra <laughs> you have an extra player on the court. Does that make sense? It may, absolutely makes sense. And Kansas was trying to box him out with two. And then what <laughs> happens, not only does he get what he ended up with 14 boards or 15 boards, Keon Brooks had five offensive rebounds because of that. Yes. Like they're sending so many bodies at Sheboy. He takes up so much attention. He still gets his share. But tonight Brooks benefited just as much as Sheboy did. But guys just bounce off of him, man. It, it's kind of funny Kansas to be honest is with big, you. Kansas is big stink. They stink. I mean, I'm, I've now – like, I hate to say it, but, like, I've given up on David McCormick. I've given up on him. Now, he'll have a game here or there where you start to be like, maybe, maybe he's back. And I love Mitch Lightfoot as a kid. I do. But, like, he, he shouldn't be playing the five. Like, there's no, no. way. I mean, he, he's a straight four-man, period. And, and he's a utility four-man at that. Now you've got him playing the five and playing actual minutes trying to box out big Oscar like that. That's not fair to, to the kid. He's, he's a useful piece 
off the bench. Right. And they, he's being asked to do more than that. And look, I, I think I made this point to you um, privately, Jeff, and I think we talked about this on the, the DTF podcast, T.O., uh, I think that this is one of Bill Self's most impressive coaching performances of his career, getting this Kansas team to 17 and two before uh, tonight's game. But the, the, the guy we need to talk about here is Kelly Graydon. I thought that what he did on Oshaya Baji was uh, uh, incredible defensively. Oshai, we're going to, we're going to get into this in a second, but Oshai is one of the few people in the mix uh, for national player. Of the year. We were able to catch up a little bit earlier with Kellen Grady while he was sitting on the team bus uh, and we were able to reminisce a little bit about uh, the fact that both he and Jeff are from the same state. When did it all start to click for you, Kellen? Uh, you know, I don't remember exactly when that was, but I'd say about a month before the season actually um, commenced. And then as the season has progressed and um, as we got right around Christmas and the new year, then things, I think, really started to click. And, um, you know, the coaching staff and then and the and our guys have continued to instill confidence in me to shoot the ball. And, um, you know, things have worked out. And, and thankfully, we're, we're winning. And, and today was a great statement win. And um, so it's been, it's been a process. But that, that's why you go to Kentucky. It's never going to be easy. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful that, that I hit a few roadblocks and, and had to overcome some adversity in the first couple months in the fall. Um, you know, it makes where we're at now as a team a little more special. The other thing when we sat down that, that struck me was you talking about the chemistry on this team. Because you had some old dudes and you had some freshmen. And you're like almost mm -hmm. a, a grandfather on this team of sorts uh, that you've been it. around a while. But the chemistry seemed real. A lot of guys say that, and I feel like they're full of it. But I felt like with you, you meant it, that the chemistry is really good with this group. Why? Uh, you know, I think we, we we share a common purpose, and you know this is a selfless team. And you can see it's, it was evident today in our game and in every one of our games. You can just see the spirit on on the bench and the, and the excitement when every person scores um, on the court. And, and I think that a lot of times can be truly indicative of how close the team actually is. Um, there are there are no egos here. It can be anybody's night. I mean, tonight was Keon's night. He's sensational, and, and we all could have been happy for him. Um, so we truly are a close team. The, the chemistry has been great, um, and I think that has a lot to do with with why we're playing so well and and and, and just a real together bunch. So you drew the Oshai Ibaji assignment uh, tonight. He finished with 13 points on 4 of 14 shooting. 
when you were at Davidson, you weren't exactly known for uh, for your defense. So when did when did that kind of click? And, and you know, at, at what point did you realize, OK, look, you know what? I'm, I'm rolling. I got this guy locked up tonight. Um, you know, actually, my senior year, um, I began to guard the best guard on every opposing team at Davidson. And, uh, but that was something that you know I had I improved on over time. And then this year, um, you know, you got to defend to stay on the court with, with Coach Coward. That's always been the case for him. And then tonight, you know, uh, Sue Coleman and, and the assistants decided to put me on Oche. And, and you know, he's a great player, probably going to be a first team American. And, what we said is we're not going to shut the guy out, but we want to make everything difficult. Uh, I think we did a good job as that. We did a good job with that collectively. Uh, it wasn't just me. You know, we switched. I switched off him a bunch of times. The guys stayed disciplined. We, we tried to make him work for all of his points, um, and we did that. So, proud of effort overall. That was a heck of an effort. Um, so you, you just went in and beat Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. To me. It's 1A or 1B, the toughest place to play, along with Cameron at Duke. Uh, Bill Self is now 286 and 16 in his career at Allen Fieldhouse. That's ridiculous. Uh, what does that say about this team and your national title hopes? Uh, that we can, you know, play the best of the best in, in, in a very electric and, and, and difficult environment. Uh, I thought we proved that also at Auburn. We started um, up 17 to 7, and then you know, we got a little shaken up, and then uh, we had to play with a different lineup for the rest of the game. But we, we were just excited for this for this game. Uh, we were all smiling right before the tip when um, you know, the crowd was going crazy, and it was just like, this is what you – Cal says something right before the tip. He said, um, think about how many, how many colors – players are watching this and how many people would love to be able to play this game. You guys are playing in this game. Just have fun with it. And that's what we did. It was a lot of fun tonight. Well, listen, Kellen, thank you for joining us. Congrats on the win. Safe travels back home. And just be glad that you're not in Massachusetts having to dig out a two and a half feet of snow like Jeff's right. is. Yeah, my, my uh, actually my brother and, and one of my best friends made a trip out here and their flight got canceled because of the because of the weather so hey it is brutal yeah that's what i've heard that's what i've heard um but thank you guys for having me i appreciate it Kellen is a great kid, and he really has improved on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, we need to talk about Kansas, though. I think we need to go a little bit more in depth on this before we head to our uh, our first break. So, Jeff, I'm going to see you up on this one. Um, how how concerned are you about what this team is right now? They're fifth in the country. We mentioned they're 17-3 overall despite this loss, but I don't think anybody can come out of this game saying that they feel great about where Kansas is headed this season. You know, I, I know the game has changed, and I know now it's more about, like, multi-position, like, like, versatile forwards, right? Like, that's kind of where the game shifted to now, and I get it. That's the most important thing, and they have two really good wings in, in Agbaji and Christian Brown. However, 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 I still don't think you can win without solidifying the point guard in the big man spots. 
and they're both really not good right now. The big man spot again, McCormick. We just talked about. I don't want to. I don't want to make this a hammer David McCormick show, but he has no confidence right now. He can't finish. He's inconsistent. You have no idea what you're going to get out of him if you're Bill Self. And at the point guard spot, we thought Remy Martin was going to be the savior, right? The big thing Bill Self told me in the offseason was we got to get faster. We weren't able to play fast last year. That's why they brought in Remy Martin for the most part. And Yesifu from Drake, who doesn't play a whole lot. And Remy Martin, I don't know if he's been hurt or whatnot. I know he's been banged up. You could see it with the brace, you know, the, the sleeve on the knee, but he's still got 10 points in his last five games. So, and he's playing 20 plus minutes. So if he's not healthy, he's not helping him when he's out there, period. So I, I don't know what you do in either of those spots because I don't care how good your wings are. You can't win with, with those spots being right now as piss poor as they've been. I think the spots, the five-man spot is obviously a big cause for concern. And another one, Jeff, to me, I think like if, if Abaji doesn't do a good job of scoring 40 points, they're going to have a hard time. Like if you look at their games this season, Michigan State, first game of the year, he went nuts. They obviously went. Texas Tech, dude, dude goes for 40, was spectacular, was spectacular. But they needed him to win in two OTs to be that good. I, I think they're too reliant on him to go along with the point guards have been serviceable. They haven't been great. I, th- I think I agree with you there. But the five-man matchup base tonight is going to be really tough. And when they run into bigs all down the season, it's going to be really tough for them to climb out, climb out of some of those mismatches. Yeah, and, and the, the, the five spot is just so important. We've talked about this mm-hmm. all season. The five spot is just so important for them with the way that Kansas yeah. wants to play and, and what Bill Self wants to do. Listen, we got we to gotta get to a commercial here, but coming up next, we're going to tell you why Alabama is the most Jekyll and Hyde team in all of college basketball. All right, Dig, we got tease, good, Robert. Good tease. I've been working on them, man. I've been working on them. We got any good questions in the in the chat? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, again, they got you know the hard part is in the SEC. They're going to take some losses. You know, this, this, but but if you can win at Kansas, you can win anywhere. They don't play Auburn again. Right. They're at Arkansas. They have plenty of opportunities to get good wins. And this Kansas win is always going to be great. What else we got, Dagan? Oh, I can't. 30 seconds. I'm so excited. I'm flying out uh, Monday. And honestly, I'm just going to hang out like Monday night. I'm just going to, I could probably watch film with beard, but I'm not sure I want to. I think I just want to hang out with the fans. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go out and gin pop and kick it with the the Cowboys. I like that. I like 10 seconds. (laughs) We we need to get a video of Goodman riding a horse with a sniff of tobacco in. I'm in. Here we go. 
Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. We are live on SiriusXM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. My name is Rob Doster. I have Terrence Oglesby here. I have Stadium Insider Jeff Goodman here. And we need to talk about the craziest team in college basketball. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's hyperbole. No. Alabama, in the same week, lost to Georgia and beat Baylor. T.O., what? is going on with this team they just locked in it, it seems to me just mental guys like are they guarding against georgia like they guarded today because today they were swarming to the basketball gosh they were fast and it, it i think this doesn't say so much about baylor as much as it does say about alabama because we know their guards have been this good we've known that it's just the lack of focus at points during the season that just kind of drive you crazy but defensively today i think they showed a lot more uh just tenacity i think that's the biggest thing like they're playing in georgia at georgia probably nobody there like it it is what it is like it's it's tough but today they were swarming to the basketball and get this first official sellout of alabama season first official sellout of alabama season that's nuts with some of the games that they've had at their place yeah it's i mean it was loud there and i just want to kind of go through some of these crazy wins and crazy losses that they have right so they lost to iona and rick patino early on this season uh, they got whooped by Memphis, a bad Memphis team. Uh, they lost to Georgia on the road. They lost to Missouri on the road. They also have beaten Baylor. They also have beaten Houston. And they also have beaten Gonzaga. So I don't know, Jeff, if you, when I say that they're Jekyll and Hyde, nobody plays to the level of competition more than this Alabama team does. Is that when you look forward, towards the NCAA tournament, does this make you feel confident in them? Or are you like, yeah, I'm picking them to be an upset first round? Lock in. I, I talked to Nate Oates last night, and, and I asked him that. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on with your team? And he's like, honestly, like, I, I can't even explain it. You know, they brought in people to talk to these kids, and I, I still think it comes down to Quinterly. If Quinterly has that, that, that kind of energy to him and that swagger to his game – I think everybody feeds off him. You know, he's kind of that guy. And again, they do. They, they, they definitely get up for the big games. There's no doubt about that. But how can you lose to, to Georgia, who is the worst, I think, <laughs> the worst power five team? Here it comes. No, but they stink. They stink. <laughs> and then beat Baylor and Gonzaga. Gonzaga in Seattle on the road. But again, it comes down to Quinterly and J.D. Davison. And those guys were fantastic today. They, they combined for 34, but more importantly, or as, as importantly, they made shots from the perimeter. And if they can do that, and like Tio said, I think at the beginning, if they come out and defend and are just absolutely junkyard dogs getting after it, they are a tough team to beat. But it, it, they're a tough team to beat as long as Quinterly and or J.D. Davidson play well. I mean, it's always going to be the defensive end with Alabama. We've How, how often have we talked about this, Theo? You, you don't replace Herb Jones. You just It's no. not possible to do. John Petty, elite defender. They went from being a team that had all that size and athleticism on their perimeter to being a team that has a bunch of smaller, uh, smaller guards, smaller perimeter guys. But I do want to ask you about Baylor because Baylor's now lost three games. They've, they spent the first two months of the season uh, looking like they were going to repeat. And they've looked very beatable recently is there a flaw with this group is this just uh the natural kind of uh way that teams grow throughout a season what's what's your take on this Baylor group 
a Kenjo hasn't been a Kenjo that we saw at the beginning of the year. I think that's part of it. He was he's burned. Hurt. At, yeah, he's, he's hurt. hurt. Yeah, that's he's huge. Hurt. Obviously, head of the snake is significant for them because he creates that chain of events for them offensively. But another thing, too, is if you notice the lineups and uh, was it Jimmy? Dye? He, he talked about it during the game. The lineups for Baylor, like they took Jam Wachachwa out, Flo Thamba out. Alabama enforced their way of style of play onto Baylor to where they had to adjust and play lineups that they haven't played all that much. They've usually had one five man in there that can really guard, but they're so fast. Alabama is, I, this is a tough game on the road for a Baylor team. That's coming back with their most, one of their most important players with an ankle injury. So I think it says a little bit about both, but Alabama's atmosphere tonight was, was pretty good. And they just imposed their will with their speed. Yeah, Kendra wasn't the only guy that was banged up. LJ Cryer did not play, yeah. and Jeremy Sochan was uh, he. So I mean, on. he's Sohan. He's been he's been dealing. I, don't even bother. I just don't. I'm gonna I, try. You know I'm, you know I want to help you. I want. You know, my you know goal I'm not get it right. is to help you with your pronunciations this year. That's my goal, uh, Sohan. <laughs> Sohan. But but listen, the the other thing is Matthew Meyer yep. needs to be more consistent. He yes. does. We 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 expected so much from him this year and the maturity and he worked in the off season to get his body better and get his mind right. And some days you look at him and you're like, Oh my goodness. And then other days you look at him and you're like, Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, he's playing a different role this year. Right. Like he's, he's trying to be more assertive. He's taking the ball and looking for his offense right away. Last year, he let everything come to him. And it's like, it came easier for him. He's attacking off catches last year, this year, he'll get a de- he'll get a defensive rebound, take off and look for his own offense, which is, which was uncharacteristic di- from last season. Right. So he's trying to be the man. He doesn't know how to be the man. If he would just keep doing what he was doing, his usage rate's going to go up anyway, because he's playing more minutes. Right. So he's just being a different player than he, that what made him so good last season. All right. We do need to touch on, uh, another game that happened, um, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and that was number one Auburn beating up on Oklahoma. Uh, but that wasn't the only win that Auburn landed this weekend. They locked down their head coach, Bruce Pearl, to an eight-year deal worth roughly $687 billion. I don't think Bruce <laughs> Pearl's ever going to have to worry about anything the rest of his life. Uh, Jeff, what do you know about this contract? What do you know about the way that this, uh, this deal happened? And why is a guy that's been to tur- two tournaments in seven seasons at Auburn, now sitting here with a lifetime deal. Well, it's not a lifetime deal, but he's told me, like, this is going to be his last contract. Like, he knew he wanted to get paid and, and, and really not needed because he's made a lot of money. He was making $4 million this year, so it's not like he was broke or anything like that. But he gets an eight-year deal that's worth $50 million, which makes him the second-highest-paid guy in the SEC. I think the fourth-highest-paid in all of college basketball. So he's at 5.4 annually, goes up 250 every year. So this is going to get him if he stays the lifetime of the the the, the life of the contract. That again was 69 years old, and he'll be he'll be done nice. at that point. Alan Green, the AD, I think fell for something here to some degree. I mean, listen, Louisville wasn't they weren't coming. Maryland, I'm not sure they were coming. And if they were coming, they weren't coming with more than you know, four and a half million a year. But listen, if you're Alan Green and Auburn, you probably don't have a choice at this point. You got to pay the man. Just the crazy part is where he was just a few years ago that people thought with the whole Chuck Pert. I mean, a couple times, right? 10 years ago, he's working with me at Sirius. We're hosting the show (laughs) together and he's working for HD Hackney 
uh, selling. I don't even know what it was. I've never asked them exactly what he what he was doing and what he was making, but whatever the case. And then a few years ago, he's part of the whole FBI investigation involving Chuck Person, and he gets a two game suspension here. So listen, the bottom line is the guy's one thirteen and thirty nine over the last five years. He's got a team right now that's number one in the country, can win the national title, and in the SEC, boys, it's all about winning. Yeah, and the the answer to the question of why is he getting a lifetime contract is because he has the number one team in the country, the number yeah. one player in America in Jabari Smith, and uh, there are two powerhouse programs that are going to have money to spend that are going to be interested in, uh, in in trying to hire your head coach. So that's worth that, every that's, penny. Worth yeah. every freaking penny. That's right. That, That's right. The yep. excitement around Auburn uh, basketball. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Yep. Uh, all right. Speaking of programs where there is an insane amount of excitement around them, uh, Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one. Texas Tech picked up a win uh, against uh, yeah. Mississippi State. They won by 30. We got to talk about some of these other Big 12 SEC Challenge games. So talk to me a little bit about Tech. Listen. <laughs> nobody saw this coming going into the year. I don't care who you say you are. Maybe Texas tech fans, you know, just because they're, they're, they're insane fans, right? Like they're not even realistic. I mean, most fans aren't realistic. Providence fans today tried to tell me that Providence is a better program than Georgetown. So most of these fan bases are, are a little bit uh, out of their minds, but you know, Texas tech, nobody had them in the top 25 because they're, we thought they got second-rate transfers. We we thought Chris Beard got the the elite-level transfers. Well, now it looks like Mark Adams got some really good – I mean, Bryson Williams is an elite-level transfer, right? And he kept some pretty good players. But they're winning without Terrence Shannon. They're winning with Kevin McCuller still being hurt. They're, Mark Adams has done a phenomenal job, a National Coach of the Year-worthy type job this year. And again, Ali Crow. I'll eat plenty of it, and I'll probably end up actually eating crow down in Lubbock uh, in the next few days because I deserve it. I did not think this team would do this this year. All right, real quick, T.O., you got about 30 seconds here, but Texas knocked off your Tennessee Volunteers. I'm sorry to make you have to talk about this, but, uh, yeah, look, you're a Tennessee guy, right? You're a Tennessee guy. Anyway. Uh, not a Texas University of Tennessee guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Texas knocked <laughs> off Tennessee. Uh, what do you make of it, and, and what is Chris Beard looking forward to? He he had to play his mentor in Rick Barnes tonight, and 72 hours later, he has to How go play his at the program. I heard that, too, on TV. How is Rick Barnes Chris when Beard's he, mentor? When Chris, Beard, when Chris Beard started yeah. um, as a manager, it was with Texas. When Rick, I thought it was when, with Penders. Pretty sure it was with, with, no, it was with whatever, whatever it is. He said it last saying, night on their fire. I heard that. Stop on cutting TV me too. off. Tio. Now you got 30 seconds. Stop, tell, now talk you have 10 seconds. Yeah. Now you better be quick. <laughs> uh, Courtney Raymer was really good. Tennessee's offense leaves a lot to be desired, but Zakai Ziegler is about as fun to watch as you're going to find. Uh, Barnes has done a terrific job with small guards throughout his tenure as a head coach, Terrell McIntyre, TJ Ford, DJ Augustine, a lot of guys like that. But Texas, when they show up and they play with energy, they're really good defensively. It depends on which Texas is going to show up down at Texas Tech. That's going to be a great game. I'm thinking about coming down there with you, Jeff. You're going to come down? I, I'm going to go out in Lovick? Let's do it. I might need to bring a disguise, but uh, we, will, we, will, we will go down to Lubbock and, and get after you're listen, 
For you, you said you needed a translator. You I said do. you needed a translator. <laughs> no, I so totally I got. Hey, if there's anybody who, who who can branch out to the Texas vernacular, it's well, your boy right here. So plus I'm all those about country, all those kind of you know country bars and stuff like that. You can help me figure out like which ones I can fit in, and and not get my ass beaten out, you know, at or something. So, None of them. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're, you are not fitting in anywhere in Lubbock, Texas. I promise you that, but they're going to love you anyways, because that whole, that whole week is going to end up being a party in Lubbock. Oh. Anyway, we got to, we got to get to a commercial here coming up next. We're going to talk about Duke, the struggles they had at Louisville and whether or not this Cardinal program is going to be able to turn it around. Goodman is going to drop some scoops on the Louisville coaching search. Okay. You're knocking out these breaks. Yeah, you're doing good. You're, you're I mean, knocking out these breaks. Good for you. This is something that I've got nothing for. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't tell the people on YouTube, man. Don't I tell know. the people on YouTube. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something good. Oh, man. I just had a bunch of questions. We had like 17 people jump. There's there's Texas Tech fans in the chat. All right, let's um, go. That, all right, look, so here's here, one of the questions I saw earlier. I'm sorry. I, I can't remember who uh, – who was, it was uh i don't remember the name i'm sorry but they want to know is texas tech now the best team in the big 12 to oh they're close they're close because they just uh they guard so well and they're going to be able to compete with anybody they're close i don't think so but uh i think they're in the top i would put them in the top three guys i think i could do that pretty comfortably yeah i still think that baylor is the best team in the yeah, big 12 that we haven't so seen them we haven't seen them operating at 100 health in a while uh, but I do think that Texas Tech is better than Kansas. Um, I, I just so you're going to take you're going to take all your money on the line. You're going to you're going to on a neutral court. You're going to take Texas Tech over Kansas. Texas Tech beat Kansas at home, and they took Kansas to double overtime in Fog Allen. So right. yes, I'm going to take right. Texas Tech. Goodman, uh, this question is 15. from you. It's from To's guy David Bentley. Do you think with this new contract, Pearl will still be broke after 30 days if he gets fired? <laughs> Ten seconds. <laughs> I guess it was it was tongue in cheek, but man, th- five. Th- that was a ridiculous comment. Just don't say it. There you go. And we're back. This is the field of 68 after dark. We are streaming on YouTube. We are streaming on Twitter. If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that like button and jump in the comments. Join us. We are in the chat. Uh, we're also on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We got to talk about Duke, guys. They went into Louisville and knocked off the Cardinals 74 to 65. A.J. Griffin, 22 points. Uh, he, I, it felt like he shot 17 for 17 from three. I think he ended up five for five. T.O., you know a thing or two about shooting. How important is the emergence of A.J. Griffin for these Blue Devils? It's huge because he gives them a consistent three-point threat, and that's something they haven't, they've kind of had, but not really had it every game. He's proved that he can be that five of five, and he's never. It's it's weird. It doesn't look like he's ever really set. His feet are really wide. He shoots the ball over his head. It's kind of strange. He was really really good. The guy that means the most to this team, though, I think was pretty evident today, is Mark Williams. Like that guy defensively changes the game. Uh, Duke got off to a 24 to 11 start. He gets two fouls. That's when Louisville makes the run, gets back in the game. More he's in foul trouble, obviously, the more it helps. I like Theo John, but he isn't the same rim presence defensively and offensively for that matter. The only way, yeah. the only way Duke doesn't advance deep in the tourney is if, again, 
AJ Griffin has an off shooting night and they rely on that perimeter shooting, right? Yeah. Like, cause they have too much. I mean, they, they have enough that one guy can have an off night and it doesn't really matter. And again, I want to see Mark Williams get involved more, but Paulo is terrific. Wendell Moore does a good job. You know, now I think Roach is in the starting lineup, but he'll go back to the bench, give him a little bit of depth and they can play eight to me with Theo John and Joey Baker coming in, depending on the matchups when you need them. But, Listen, this Duke team, I don't care what they do from now till the start of the tournament. As long as they're healthy when the tournament starts, you're still going to like them because now, like T.O. said, they got a sniper in, in A.J. Griffin. And, and yeah. another thing, too, this was a small thing. Sorry to interrupt you, Doster, but over the last five games, uh, Jeremy Roach, He's 33 assists and yeah. four turnovers. He's been great. Did I take that from you? Did I yeah, take that that's from you? I'm I was so about sorry. to make that point. That's <laughs> <laughs> right here. Sorry, go ahead. I'll let no, you. Yeah. I'll let you re-say it. Sorry. Well, I, I look. Jeremy Roach is kind of limited, and he is what he is. But the fact that he's able to initiate offense and kind of get things going and the, get the ball where it needs to be without giving it to the other team is important when you have guys like AJ Griffin and Paolo Bancaro and Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels and mother, everybody else can score on this team. What they need is somebody to set them up. And he's never going to be, you know, this all-American elite NBA caliber or whatever. Doesn't have to be. Yeah, he doesn't have – I mean, he's he's doing a very good job at the job that he's asked to do. Uh, and it's kind of – it is what it is with him. But I, 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 I'm – I was worried about it. I, I think he's done a pretty good job um, at this point. Do you keep him – so here's my question to you. Do you keep him starting? Because that he has been so good and now solid there – and do you bring Keels off the bench? I, I think it might help him in a way. I, I honestly like Keels off the bench more because he's like a he's a bucket, right? Yeah. Like he comes in and he changes the game with the way that he can score. He changes the way that you have to defend. I always like those kind of instant offense dudes coming off the bench. The same way that you can bring someone like an LJ Cryer off the bench yeah. if you're Baylor. You know, so I, I like Trevor Keels in that role a little bit more. Their best five is with Trevor Keels on the floor. I don't think that you have to have your best five out there yeah. for the first minute of the game. Hell no. So I. I kind of, I, I, I kind of like it. Um, I kind of like it. All right. Uh, I do have to ask you guys about Chris Matt Goodman. Um, we have had questions in the chat the, the the whole Kenny Payne, can he get the Louisville job thing has been blown out of proportion. I just want to say this. Why has it been blown that, out of proportion? What do you mean? Louisville fans are all that like it's become just whatever. It's not blown out of proportion. It's just that, that everyone's kind of fixated on can Kenny Payne yeah. get the job at this point. And I think it's it's kind of ridiculous to speculate on anybody getting any kind of jobs for this at this point because anybody you want to hire is in the middle of the season right now. They're going to let and Mike they have an have, have his run. They yeah. also have an interim AD who probably is going to hire a search firm because I'm not sure how connected he is to all this that that he feels comfortable making this decision. Will he make it on its own? Remember the one thing too when Rick Pitino got got run out at the end. The big thing he said was. The board of trustees has a ton of power and half the board are Kentucky fans. And, and I heard the same thing from other people. So it's going to be very interesting if that's the case and they are Kentucky fans. Do you want Kenny Payne there? Are you scared of putting Kenny Payne there? Because what Kenny Payne can do is recruit. He can like, that's going to be the biggest advantage. If you want to hire Kenny Payne again, he's super connected to a lot of people who have influence. Not World Wide West. World Wide West has jack shit influence right now. But other people, players, he's with the Knicks right now. He's super tight with the Devin Bookers, the Carl Anthony Towns, 
those guys right now, they all have influence with who? High school kids. Mm-hmm. You're telling me a call from Devin Booker doesn't impact what a high school kid is? Of course it does. So I think Kenny Payne might be the right guy here for the job. And I never would have said that a couple of years ago. I think Kenny Payne would have to hire a really good staff and get somebody who's obviously been a head coach, a veteran guy who can help him on the bench. What yeah, would be the I, order? What would be the order of operations there? Obviously, they need an AD. Like, yeah, I mean, you got to give. I guess. I mean, listen, it's it's happened before, but you have time now, right? You yep. you have time to figure out: Are you going to promote this guy or not? You don't have a president, so there's a lot to try to figure out before you're going to be able to hire a, a, a coach. And the bottom line is, no coach in a really good spot right now is going to go somewhere yeah. else that has an NCAA cloud still hanging over its head where they don't know what they're going to get hit with. And they don't know who their AD is going to be. Now, Kenny Payne, I still say would walk from New York. If you told them right now, Hey, Kenny, I know there's a lot of snow in the ground, but throw your boots on and get your (laughs) ass to Louisville. And he'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So the one kind of silver lining in, in Chris Mack walking and I'm, I'm torn in how I feel about the the decision that Chris made Chris and the position that he kind of put his players and the staff in the one silver lining for Louisville. Like you said, Jeff, is they have now plenty of time to figure out what they're going to do uh, in this spot. T.O., I want to ask you about Michigan state and Michigan. Uh, the Spartans rolled in the second half. They won 83 to 67 and they made a little bit of a statement. I thought that John Crispin on ESPN made an interesting point in that uh, we always want to talk about the talent and the, the prospects and the guys that, that could end up being at the next level. We never celebrate the great college basketball teams that have yeah. a bunch of dudes that figure it out and play above what the sum of their parts is. And I think that's what Michigan state is right now. Cause if you look at their roster, like they're, they're they got a bunch of guys that, like, that you're like, yeah, he's fine. And they put it all together and they're winning a lot of games. Yeah. And they have a bunch of different guys that can do it. I, I would argue that Max Christie has some of that NBA flair just because mm-hmm. he's young, he's long, he can shoot it, he's skilled. But uh, Gabe Brown has stayed there and been, you know, he's been up and down, but this year he's been pretty consistent. He only had nine today, but uh, what does this say? This says that Izzo's getting his guys to guard at a high level. I mean, goodness me, it, Hunter Dickinson still hasn't figured out how to pass out of a double team. But at the same time, like, Michigan State's good. Like, they're just really? rugged. They're good. They're, they're big on the good. wings. I think they're good because they, they have bodies and length on defense, and they try to play fast. And Hogard has been a pleasant surprise. As much as we've talked about point guards being eh, up yeah, well, down, I mean, they have up been up and down. down. They have been up and down. But they just – he has games where he's good. Tyson yes. Walker has games where he's good. And they just – Joey Hauser was finally good today. So you, like you know if, you know what Izzo said the other night. This is what I'll go back to every time. So okay. they were in Champaign. They lose to Illinois without Kofi, without Curbelo. Mm-hmm. Um, the point guards look atrocious in mm-hmm. that game, and and he said it best. He did. He said it best in the post game. He said we are consistently inconsistent. That's like what that. Michigan State is. That's why you can't completely trust them. Now again, Izzo has done like Rob said with Bill Self. Izzo has done an incredible job with this group maximizing uh, what they have, but they're going to lose games, maybe like Northwestern, like Illinois and Champaign without its arguably two of its top three players. Uh, but they can beat some good teams too. Yeah, they're, they're 
when they're at their best is when they have the either one of AJ Hogard or Tyson Walker is yep. playing well. They need one of those two guys to be really good on any given night. And on the nights when they're not good, they're going to do things like lose at home to Northwestern without Pete Nance. That's not a, that's not that's not a pretty loss. But they're still right there in the mix when it comes to the Big Ten uh, regular season title race. So um, you got to give them credit uh, for that. All right, we had some other games in the top 25 that we need to discuss. Illinois struggled a little bit with Northwestern on the road. They ended up getting that win. Xavier used a 29 to two run to open the second half to come from behind and beat Creighton on the road. Arizona shot three for 23 from three and still found a way to knock off Arizona state and Villanova beat the doors off St. John's UConn went into DePaul and didn't play well, but came away with a win. T.O. Uh, what was the, the game that you were most impressed with? What team did you come away uh, thinking the best about. And he just threw a lot at me there. Uh, you know what? I like uh, the win. It's Arizona, Arizona state when you don't shoot the ball well and Arizona states, they're not great this year, but you still have to generate enough energy rivalry game. Kirk Creasa hit a shot and kiss the floor fires everybody up, then kisses people in the audience, the ultimate swag guy. You got to love somebody like him. Uh, there's just so much good basketball today. I mean, I, I love this Arizona team. I know they struggled against UCLA away, but man, uh, they have a lot of tools. I'm going to go ahead and stay with uh, the Wildcats there just so I can take it away from Jeff. No, you know what I got? I'm going to stay out West. I'm going to go with UCLA pounding Stanford at home mm. without Johnny Juzang. Absolutely pounding them. A Stanford team that needed that win desperately. They've got two good wins against USC. They've swept them. If they had gotten this win in Poly, you'd be talking about Stanford having a chance. Again, they're not on the bubble, but they're not far off the bubble. And, and instead, UCLA without Juzang absolutely crushes them. Uh, Tiger Campbell plays really well. I just I, I like this team. Again, they were kind of the forgotten team before that Arizona game. They get them again on Thursday at McHale. Another game I'll be there for. I'm not stupid. I'm going to Texas and Arizona while there's a three foot blizzard going on here. Yeah. You're, you're right about UCLA that what they were able to do the last couple of games. I think that they really needed those fans back to kind of give a little bit of uh, enthusiasm to them. You know, it's hard to, to sit out for a month and then come back and be playing in front of a bunch of, uh, of empty seats. Um, how about, how about Xavier on the road? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Xavier was down 17 at halftime at Creighton. Who's a yeah. tournament team in a building uh, that was filled an NBA sized arena that was completely mm -hmm. filled, came back from 17 down to go up by 10 before Creighton scored their second basket of the second half. Really impressive. I think, you know, I made, I kind of went in on UConn last night, but I really do think that the big East has five teams at the top that are all good enough to beat the hell out of each other, to win the conference regular season title and to make a run to the sweet 16 of the elite at the top of that league is really good, really balanced and really, really fun. And I cannot wait to see, uh, hey, to Rob, see the way that it plays out. Yeah. Is Providence a better program than Georgetown? <laughs> no, I don't need, I don't need these Providence fans. Coming after <laughs> me anymore, man. They're all over me, uh, but it, are, are they a better team? No, yes. no, that's is not what better, I asked. Is it a better job? Yeah. Georgetown is a better job. Thank I don't you. think that it's really um, an argument. They're really, really all that close. We can, at some point, we're going to have to have a long conversation about what Georgetown needs to do to get back, but we don't need to do that right now because no. coming up next, we're going to be telling you about our stock risers and our stock ballers 
fallers, fallers when it comes to college basketball uh, here we go. Uh, in the month of January. <laughs> Stop uh, how about the first first 10 minutes of that Xavier? Listen to me. Xavier. Xavier. Big East, Xavier. Big, biz, big East guy. Dude, 24 to 2 in the first 10 minutes of the second half. 24 yeah. to 2. Yeah, ridiculous. All right, all right, guys. We got some questions. Right. Uh, I think this is an interesting one. Let's let's pretend that you're Coach Cal. Okay. If Shaden Sharp wants to play, would you play him at this point? T. Not now. You first. No, I wouldn't. Tio, he's too talented not to. You got to no, figure it out. No, because then you lose him. You're going to lose him for next year if he plays. Because either he's going to do too much or not do enough, and he'll be gone. The only chance you got of, of getting him for next year, and I think he might leave anyway. <laughs> One minute. Is don't play him, and you're and you're winning right now. You got to you got it rolling. You got roles to yeah. find. You got good chemistry. Don't play him. That that there, there's something to be said there. I agree now. Yeah, I, I it's the the chemistry I thing now. is the big. The, I agree the chemistry now. Thing you you the completely changed my mind. You completely changed my mind. Yep. <laughs> because um, I'm Coach Cal. I was Coach yep. Cal there. All right, so let me ask you guys this: uh, If you are Missouri, are you moving on from Thirty Second Martin this offseason? You can't. You can't. You owe them too much money. Uh, I think they've actually shown some fight here over the last couple of weeks. They actually have. So he's changed the lineup a little bit. I would keep Gonzo for one more. Isn't he? He's from that area. They made the tournament last year. Uh, Ten seconds. People, dude, people forget. Yeah, people forget that COVID year actually happened. Five. It's, it's, it's a real thing. That's right. Here we go. We're back. It is the field of 68 after dark. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit that like button. You hit that subscribe button. Maybe jump in the comments, leave something, ask a question. We have the field of 68 uh, after dark afters coming up next. We're also on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPN news station. Rob Doster, Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman. We're going to do a little bit of stock risers and stock fallers. Uh, T.O., I'm going to you first, man. In the month of January, I need your biggest riser. Who has been the team that has impressed you the most, that you feel better about now uh, than you did on January 1st? Uh, UCLA. I know that's probably an easy one, but they took such a long uh, COVID pause and Christmas break that I forgot completely about them. And that shellacking that we alluded to earlier against Arizona was big time, big time performance and that Stanford team with uh, Harrison Ingram they've been playing well that, that I think they've surprised a lot of people they have some young guys that that are getting it done there and they just beat the heck out of them uh stock up UCLA stock down are we going to that right away no we're not we're not we're gonna work okay so I'm gonna say I'm, I'll just go to Jeff sorry yeah come on T.O. I'll tee I'm you just running I just ruined it. this thing I'm running this thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm the point guard of the show I'm your Jeremy Roach come on man Jeff. I'm not used We're to passing trouble. I'm not We're used to trouble. passing yeah yeah you're not you're not a good passer <laughs> Jeff what do you got who's your uh who's your stock riser I mean don't you have to go Marquette here like they, oh, yeah. they've come out of nowhere and and look at who they've beaten too I mean that's the thing they've beaten kind of a who's who of 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 the Big East lately right Villanova at Villanova, Xavier, Seton Hall twice, Providence. These are all the best teams for the most part in the in the Big East right now. I'm not counting Georgetown and, and, and DePaul because uh, those are kind of the, the the toilet bowls of the of the uh, of the Big East right now. But uh, yeah, I think you got to go. Shock has done an incredible job. Justin Lewis has been honestly, to me, the most underrated player in the entire country. Um, you know they they. 
Marcel's been awesome. Like I Marquette to me is the biggest riser. Yeah, Marquette was the one that I was going to go with. I'll throw Oregon out there. I know they just lost yeah. to uh, to Colorado, uh, but they have those two wins at UCLA and at USC. They're beating up on Oregon State right now. They're 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 back. They're relevant. Uh, I hope they get in the tournament because they are a team that's going to be dangerous if you can get them as a ten or an eleven seed. Uh, I do want to ask you guys this because you you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Jeff. Uh, Shaka Smart, Mark Adams, Bruce Pearl, right now. You got to make a decision. Who is your national coach of the year? Um, boy, I, I think you got to go Bruce Pearl. I mean, they're number one. I didn't have him in the top 25 in the preseason. Again, I blame Bruce for that because he told me their, their point guard situation was very questionable. He didn't, he didn't alleviate any of my concerns on the point guard spot. So I didn't put him in the top <laughs> hey, 25. And, you, know, you know what's funny about that, Jeff? Yeah. Um, on, our, on our season preview show, uh, I put T.O. on the spot, and I told him that I needed his uh, his preseason Final Four projections. Yes. He forgot that Alan Flanagan was hurt, and he didn't know the thing, <laughs> he didn't know the thing about the, the point guards. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I got Auburn going to the Final Four. And then when we were done, I was like, yeah, Bruce Pearl doesn't like his uh, his backcourt, and Alan Flanagan's hurt. And, and T.O.'s like, oh. God, I, I remember <laughs> I remember T.O. hearing this. He's like, ah, oh, I screwed up. Well, now, T.O., you're looking pretty smart. I'm looking, looking pretty smart. I figured they took enough point guard transfer. Somebody was going to work. That was my <laughs> that was my logic there. Like, Katie Johnson could play some point. He's not a point. But Zepp and uh, Wendell, man, they've been – oh, gosh, they've been so good. good. And they might have the best front court. They're in the top five front courts in the country, no question. Mm-hmm. The only other name that I would throw on that list that we haven't mentioned yet is Tommy Lloyd. At Arizona, walking in, taking over a new job, uh, implementing a new style of play, and being as good as they have been. Um, Tia, who would you go with, National Coach of the Year? I think we're forgetting Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Listen, I'm with you 100% on that because look at their record. He's done an incredible job losing two starters. Mm-hmm. But when you look at who they've beaten, that's the only reason why I wouldn't give it to them. They're like playing the sisters of the poor. Yeah, Every night, it feels like. But, but they should have beat Alabama. Yeah. No, listen, again, they've done an incredible – Kelvin is no question one of the best coaches we have in college basketball. But the AAC is like – honestly, it's like a mid-major league right now. I would go with – yeah, I would go with Shaka. I'd go with Shaka. Yeah, Uh, yeah, 100%. I I just think uh, Samson uh, deserves some consideration because, I mean, think about it, guys. Whoever's watching this show, I don't care what team you root for, take away your two top scores. Oh, you have no shot. No chance. No chance. They're undefeated in their league. It's it's incredible. Like he deserves to be, you know, recognized for that. But uh, I think Shaka, what he's done in year one of Marquette, like coming out even early in the season, like getting a bunch of guys to come together so fast, like that guy, they're playing well. What a what a job Marquette is uh, is too. Like perfect for him. And what a what a game tomorrow we're gonna get Marquette at Providence. That place is going to be rocking. All right, stock fallers, to. Who you got? I don't want to be kicked off this show because our producer, our producer is going to be real mad at me. I'm (laughs) I'm real mad at myself, but Seton Hall, I was a huge fan. Doster, you know, this Jeff, you know, this, I I loved Seton Hall at the beginning of the year, loved them. They've lost four or five. They haven't been able to re-figure out what was happening prior to their COVID pause. And it's just, it's tough. I mean, obviously they go and win at St. John's, come home and lay an egg in a really cool atmosphere where you would have thought guys would have brought energy and they just didn't bring energy. Bryce Aiken, 
means so much to that basketball team because he is that change of pace guy that can get where he wants with the ball. And it's a bunch of big physical dudes without Aiken. You don't have that burst of speed, that burst of quickness. And uh, it's going to be hard to get him back in the mix too, as soon as he does come back. I'm going West Virginia. You know, they've lost five straight, you know, listen, they're good. Five good teams. I mean, it's not, you're losing a Kansas Baylor at Texas tech. Not even lost to Oklahoma and, and at Arkansas, two teams that maybe you're, you're hoping to at least win one of the two, if not both. I just don't think Hugs' team is very good. You know, their point guard play is questionable. But if you add a big, big Oscar on this team, I bet you they don't lose five in a row. That's all I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So if they just added the guy that might be the national player of the year, you think they'd be better? Yes, I think they'd wow. get a few more rebounds. Wow. What, not be a, as reliant. what a take. Yeah, oh, yeah. good. Big take. You're, you're really, you're really stepping out on a limb. I'm going to need Thank you to you. reel it in a little bit. We have Thanks. credibility that we like to keep on the show. Okay. Uh, my, my stock follower is, uh, is LSU. Yeah. I think that they are, it was USC. Say, call most, him a fraud. Most, call him a fraud, Rob. Already, Come on. Call him a fraud. I, I don't like calling people frauds. I but, call you a fraud all the time. I know. That's why I don't want to be anything like you. Um, I thought USC was the most overrated team in college basketball when they were the number five team in the country. I, I think we all kind of saw that unless yes. your name was, unless your name is Sean Miller. Um, but Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Taking a shot at Sean Miller. <laughs> but, uh, but LSU to me right now is the team that I just, I just don't trust. I, I do not see it with them offensively. I think that what made them so good early in the season is that they use their length and athleticism and physicality to overwhelm teams, force turnovers, get out in transition, and now they're going up against better teams. They can't get all of that stuff in transition, which is why you're seeing their offense go down the toilet. T.O., where do you stand on this LSU program? They can guard, but when teams can score a little bit or have a guy that can get loose, like, was it Mike Miles can do it? TCU that's going to be hard. And you got to be able to score it. Like, in the SEC, you got to be able to freaking score it. Uh, Goodman, I want to, I want to circle back real quick on something that you said before, when you were talking about the West Virginia program, you said, and I quote, and we have the audio on this one, that yeah. Arkansas is a good team. <laughs> I did. Yeah. You said no, Arkansas they are. is a good they team. They are a good team. Remember, I was just saying, remember like Arkansas <laughs> fans thought they were like a top 10 team at one point. And I was like, I can't put you in the top 25 because you haven't beaten anybody. And I knocked them out of the top 25, and they went bananas. And then they lost, like, a bunch straight and fell off the planet. Now they're back because they've beaten a bunch of okay teams. But Arkansas fans, don't celebrate too early. Because, Robert, go ahead. You want to read them? You want to read them their, their, their schedule towards the end of the year? Or you yeah, want me I'm to trying, do it? Yeah. Do you have it in front of you? I'm trying I, to bring I, it up right now. I got I it. I got it. February 19th on. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, February 19th, uh, Tennessee at home, at Florida, Kentucky, LSU, Tennessee. Yeah, you better win these. You better yep, win yeah. these. The bottom line is you're right now you're probably not on the right side of the bubble. You're probably right on the bubble right now, and you got that coming. So you got chances. I just don't think you're all that good. I think your coach is really good. But I don't think your talent's good enough to go through a run like that and come well, out. Well, here's and that's without here. that's without mentioning Auburn and Alabama yeah. on yep. February eighth and twelfth. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Here's 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 the thing about it. Arkansas is going to have a chance to prove themselves as we get down to the end of the season, just like you guys had a chance to prove yourselves 
as we got down to the end of the show. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark, live on YouTube, live on Twitter, live on SiriusXM, Channel 84, the ESPN News Station. For Terrence Oglesby, for Jeff Goodman, I was Rob Doster. Thanks for being here. All right, All right. gentlemen, All right. it is the Field of 68 After Dark Afters. It's everybody's favorite part of the show. We got questions coming in from the chat. Uh, we got conversations that we need to have. Do, do we? Do you want to do the player of the year stuff now? Do you want to talk uh, through that now? Do people want us to do the player of the stuff now? Let us know in the chat. If you want us to talk about the National Player of the Year, the, the wide open race that is the National Player of the Year, weigh in right now in the chat. We'll, we'll yeah, we are. Right, we, so first yes question no. I got here. First question I got here from uh, is from Matthew Brown. I'm going to go to you on this one, T.O., because these are your team's do you like Wake Forest over Notre Dame or Miami right now? Like, get, talk about other. Let's take Duke out of the equation. Who is the next best team in the ACC right now? I think Wake Forest is man fighting Steve Ford. They got that. I know they got thumped up at Syracuse today, but it, it, Syracuse is Syracuse. They're going to win games they're not supposed to. They're going to lose games they're not supposed to because that zone is just insane. But uh they just have so many weapons they have length on the perimeter they can really guard and Isaiah Musius has found himself this season playing alongside probably the best player that or the best transfer in the country Alondis Williams I like this team and Jake LaRavia is a stud too uh all around I, I think Wake Forest is really good plus they guard which is not something that Notre Dame has really done consistently yeah I like I think I actually like Miami I know how crazy that sounds and I, I'm I'm in I'm in on this Wake Forest team give me Steve Forbes and Alondis Williams give me that combination of two people in one program and I think you're gonna have a lot of success but I just I love Miami's guards I mean I think that they're really really good they are basically two points away from being undefeated in the ACC is that right it's the two they've the two one possession losses to Florida State and without that they are sitting there undefeated in the ACC so um, I like them, man. They got a bunch of guys that are almost as old as you, T.O., in their backcourt. All right, Goodman, I got to hit you with this one. This is from Eric A. in the chat. Is this the year that Bobby Hurley finally ends up on the hot seat at Arizona State? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously they've been bad these last two years, really bad. You know, last year being one that, again, the pandemic. Pr prior to that, people don't realize how bad a job Arizona State is. And I say that as an Arizona alum. Okay, so like I don't want to defend Arizona State and the Scum Devils at all, but I'm going to in the sense that they did not have much success for like a 30-year period, and he had them going to two tournaments and en route to a third. So I'm going to give him a break here and say next year he'll have some heat on him for sure. And if he can get out of there this year, he and the AD aren't great either. So he probably needs to get out of there if he can after this year. They don't even keep the lights on at that place. No. That's not his fault. Uh, no lights. No lights. It's ridiculous. Sorry. All right. Um, I'm going to you on this one, T.O. Uh, Isaiah Brockington needs more love. True or false? True. He's, ne he's never scored at the level he's scoring right now. And he, dude, guards, plays hard, perfect fit there at Iowa State, kind of rejuvenated his career, was always a good defender at Penn State, but – Man, he his offense has uh, turned a corner. I, I I agree with that. He definitely deserves more love and some uh, all league consideration. Yep, absolutely. He leads the Big Twelve in rebounding. Does you he know that? Wow. Wow. No, no, that, he, that, he that's a, that's according to Alex Berngard uh, in the chat right now. So Are you if sure I'm you're wrong, not making that up. I, I 
I am just reading directly out of the chat. Alex Berngard could be lying to me. If he's lying to me, then I got got. All right. But if it says, look, anything that is said in a YouTube chat, you could take as gospel. You probably did get got. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm all right with that. It's not, it's not the first time. Uh, all right. I have, a, I have another one. Uh, I just lost. All right. We're going to do quickly just a couple of picks here. Um, right now, Providence, Marquette, in the dunk. It should be sold out. There's going to be a lot of uh, of cold and drunk Providence fans in that building. Who wins? I need picks from both of you guys. Go ahead, Tio. You can start. I'm going Providence because that is going to be an atmosphere. I'm going Providence. If they take care of the ball and Nate Watson has a better game than what he's been playing, I think that's huge. I think physically, uh, I, they've already played, right? I don't have the score right in front of me. Yeah, Mar- Mar- Marquette won by 867 points. It really was. Yeah. Was so, but I think that that atmosphere tomorrow is going to be awesome. And John Fanta's calling the game. So that's 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 helped out Providence this year significantly. And, and Providence is the luckiest team in America. So I, I feel Don't like they're going to find a way you know, <laughs> to get some luck, maybe with, with Fanta being there. The record with Fanta there, by the way, Cooley's record, I still think he has not lost or something like that. That's what I'm nine, saying. It's nine or no. It's nine or no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's that's why I'm going with Providence in this spot. The, the Fanta effect. There. The Fanta it's the effect. Fan, the, it's it's the Fanta effect. Uh, it's right. a guaranteed win. Um, all right. This comes from 82 Atlantic. Can SMU get an at large bid? I'm going to run through their resume really quick for you. In case They're you not far off. They are 16 and four on the season. They are seven and one in the American. They have one quad one win, which is at Memphis. Uh, they've lost at Oregon. They lost at Cincinnati. They have not played a top 50 opponent this year. They have one quad two win that is at Tulane. They have eight quad three wins and they've lost to Missouri on a neutral and Loyola Marymount on a neutral. I'm going to say they're nowhere near the bubble at this point. Um, I'm going to say they're not that far off, but they're not. They're they like, have to, they're, they're like, they eight. have to beat Houston. They cannot lose another league game and they have to beat Houston. Yeah, I, I think you're probably talking about a team that's that's not in the first four out, but in the next the next four out right now. The, the think- crazy part is, again, like if you're in one of those good leagues, you can make up ground so quickly with like a good three game stretch. But SMU, like you said, the only team you can beat that's a resume win is Houston. Everything else, if you lose, you're absolutely crushed. So yeah, I think it'll be hard for SMU. Yeah, and for anybody watching right now. Uh, We're launching a new show on Monday. It's going to be streaming live Monday at 6 p.m., Friday at 6 p.m. It's called Fielding the 68. It's going to be hosted by the guys from Three Man Weave. It's going to be hosted by Greg Waddell of Sleepers Media. And we have the best, unequivocally the best, independent bracketologist joining us. Ignore Joe Lenardi. You don't want to hear from him. Jerry Palm. Look, I love him, but no. Look, we got to be tired of those old dudes. Yeah, we got the guys. We got the guys. And I don't. Dagan, you can tell me if you can tell me whether or not we should do this, but I kind of want to be a surprise because we got some names that people uh, in the college basketball realm. No, let's wait. You're going to wait. Let's wait. Absolutely. You're going to know. All right. So uh, we got another question in here. Uh, It was I can't. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at at remembering who asked the questions. It was Purdue or Ohio State tomorrow. But I kind of want to expand that a little bit. It feels like, Jeff, people are forgetting about Ohio State at this point because they haven't played that many big games recently. It seems like they've kind of been a little yeah. bit out of sight, Fair. out of mind. How do you feel about these Buckeyes? Do you still think that they're good enough to make a run? I know we, we talked a little bit about player of the year stuff uh, off air. 
Um, and I know you still have EJ Liddell 100% in that conversation. So how do you feel about the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think when you talk about the best players in, in college basketball, you have to have EJ Liddell in there. To me, the problem is your point guard play is just average. And Malachi Branham's still a freshman who's trying to figure it out, right? Like he, he's he's still up and down. So without Justice suing, and I don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back, you know, I, I just think there's kind of a cap on what Ohio State can do. They can beat some good teams, but I think against Purdue and that that length, especially with Zach Eady, that's where, where Liddell has some issues. Mm-hmm. 100% agreement. I don't really have much to add to that. He hit it all on the head. Uh, Ohio State's fine. I Obviously, I think there's levels to this, and especially it's in West Lafayette. Go ahead and give me Purdue. Yeah, I think Purdue will probably win this game. Um, I'm, I'm in on Ohio State, though. I, I do think that there's a little bit of a ceiling. They're, they're, they're sitting here at 13-4, and 6-2 and two in the Big Ten, which means they are – I don't know how you phrase this in the college basketball realm, but they're tied for first place in the loss column in the Big Ten, if that makes sense, right? The, the Illinois is in first place with two losses. Michigan State is seven and two. Wisconsin seven and two. Ohio State is six and two. So uh, they're they're right there in the mix for a Big Ten regular season title, and no, it feels like no one's talking about them. For what it's worth, I think Malachi Branham is really stinking good, and I hope he mm-hmm. stays. He is really good. Uh, he, oh, he is really them. good. I yeah. hope he stays like, you know, but I mean, guys have a semi good year and they feel like they got to get out of town. Oh, like boy. stick around, you, dude, you know stick around, is? please. He, he is the perfect guy for NIL stuff, right? Cause he goes to Ohio state, which is a big program with a big fan base. And I know a lot of that is football, but there's still a lot of people that care about the basketball program there. And it's probably very easy to make sure that he's got enough money in his pocket that can at least match like what he would get as a two-way or a G League guy if he came out. Maybe not match it, get you to like 50% of it. You get 50% of it at Ohio State, and you can come back, and you got a chance to play your way into a much higher draft pick while being a superstar at Ohio State. That's a pretty good life, man. So um, he's the kind of guy that I think would have a chance to uh, maybe hang out for um, another year if he decides to return to school. So uh, you got anything else? Oh, I got another one for you. we did have a question. Does Mike White get fired if Florida Hell misses no. the tourney? Hell no. Um, but I, I just – I, I don't think he will either. But, T.O., I know that you had some stuff teed up and put together about this Florida team, so I wanted to make sure that I asked you about that game because we can't let that prep go to work. No, no, no. You're fine. Florida You're fine. Of prep. No. Yeah, ton of prep there. Uh, no, I just think there's there's some resolve there. It's an old team. They, they We've seen it with all these teams that go heavy transfer. Like, is it top-end talent? Is it there? I think it's debatable everywhere you look when it comes to that stuff, whether it be Texas. We've had these discussions about Kentucky, though. They're figuring it out. Like, is that top-end talent really there? Uh, but they they showed some resolve today. They gritted it out. They they held a, a 2-0 lead and didn't lead again until nine minutes to go in the game. And they were down 13 at half. So they've got some grit to them. They've got some guys that can score it. I, getting fired, Mike White, what? No. I, I no, don't he, think so. He's too, he's too likable. Yeah, um, he's like Florida nice still a football. It's still a football school, yeah. so there, there's not as much pressure on Mike White. As long as you stay out of trouble, you're a good dude. You win enough. What I want to ask To Rob, uh, I, I know he was kind of tweeting in there about Louisville a little bit yeah. in the Chris Mack situation. I want to hear To's take on like because I think everybody's kind of all over the place with this thing in, in Chris yeah. Mack. Like, is he at fault? Did he quit on the team? And again, this is hard for me because mm. 
I, I am close with Chris Mack and have been for years, but I also try to be very objective when it comes to all these things. Um, do I think he should have quit? Probably not. But I actually think, and I, I told Rob this before, I think it's the best thing he did for his players. Because if you're not all bought in, get the hell out of there. Like yeah. Turge, same thing. Like Turge wasn't going to help those kids and that program and that team this year. If you're not bought in, fully committed, let Mike Pegues be bought in and give him that opportunity. And he's going to bring a positive attitude. Chris Mack looked like he was checked out. So you know what? Yeah. Go away then. Yeah. Uh, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I also sympathize with why he was frustrated. I mean, look at look at all these things like interim AD, no school president, no backing. You knew when he took the job, he was going to deal with this NCAA nonsense. Yep. And it's hurt recruiting. They had one good recruiting class with Samuel Wilson, uh, Williamson and all those guys, and they didn't pan out. Fine. But he's still getting hurt with all. He was still getting hurt because he couldn't recruit like Louisville is capable of recruiting because of all these things hanging over his head. So what does he do? He goes the transfer route. And then you see the negative effects of the transfer route. Yeah. Because yeah. like you got to put all these bodies together and some of them might've not been perfect guys for the kind of guy that he needs to coach. And then he has to miss the first six games of the season. So in those six games, they get used to the other guy. He was set up to fail. Well, and Chris Mack can him. coach. Yeah. The he school can didn't coach. back him for bullshit. The school yeah. didn't back him for a bunch of bullshit is my biggest problem is to mm -hmm. me, you suspend him for not having somebody from human resources in the room when you fired Dino Gaudio. And ultimately, Dino Gaudio has nothing on you. He's got, you know, the biggest thing he can throw out there is GAs on the court and in personalized recruiting videos. I mean, yeah, on. who cares? And yeah. Matt can coach when he's locked in. No, if doubt. he's locked in, he's one of the best coaches in, in the country. I just, again, I think it was the right move. I think it was a good move. I, maybe not the right move, but a good move for I, everybody. I would, involved. I would, I would quibble with the right move, just because you get paid a lot of money. You That's made promises fair. to those kids. You made promises yep. to their family. Yeah. Sure. The bottom line is, you walked out on them. Now, it's totally understandable why he was frustrated, why he felt mm -hmm. like it. Every every single person on the plane is stressed because of what we've gone through over the course of the last two years. Though on the fact that you were in a high pressure job in a high stress environment in a place that cares about this sport more than anything else. I get with it. no backing, with no with backing. no backing. But he still walked out the door and quit on the kids. Now you yeah. can say that it's better for them long term, and I don't necessarily disagree. But it's I. I there's a lot more context to it than saying, oh, Chris Mack quit or, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, there's so much more. There's, it, it's going to be in the middle. There's there's a lot of gray area there, and there is a middle ground that we need to get to on it. Um, but it's I, – I don't – I think anybody that is that has a sour taste in their mouth about the way that he left is probably justified. And I think that anybody that cannot relate to the fact that it was not going well and he was stressed out – probably needs to have a little bit more understanding in their life. There's a middle hey, ground there. All right. Can I throw one more thing in? One more thing. Like, okay, go ahead. Like this argument that coaches used to have, like, hey, players need to fight through adversity and figure it out. That argument's gone. Like there is no more of this argument because it's like, oh, well, coaches stick. No, not no longer. Like Turgeon quits yeah. at, at, you know, the beginning of the season when things, I mean, yeah. obviously they're hard. And he's like the, the brunt of all the criticism in Maryland. Uh, Mac leaves, and I'm a huge Mac fan, like huge Mac fan. He leaves, and like there's something to be said. We were talking about transfer portal. A lot of the argument for coaches, what, what, why, when are they going to stick it out? No more. Like you can't say that anymore because now coaches are leaving right in the middle of the season. Like you completely lose yep. me with all yep. of those things. So 
now freedom of movement everywhere. You lose your argument as far as all that's concerned. All right, uh, let's get to three cheers. We have producer Dagan Hughes is yelling at us, saying that we got to get ready to go. So, and you don't want to, you don't want to make Dagan upset. Dagan is a ruthless individual. It's like a he dictator. He's, well, he's a Seton Hall fan. He's in a bad mood for the past <laughs> God knows how long. Very good point. A miserable human being over the last few weeks. No yeah. more miserable than Kevin Willard, though, Dagan. said. So <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Goodman, let's go to you first on this one. Give me your give me your uh, cheers or three cheers of the night. My, my cheer is going to be a guy who took over a program um, that was 0-18 in, in league play when he took it over. And he has slowly, he's in year three right now, uh, built it up. And they had a huge win today uh, against a Wichita State program that isn't great. But, but you know what? Wichita State's Wichita State. They got a ton of resources. It's the, the game in town. And Ron Hunter at Tulane beat Wichita today. And Ron Hunter in the, in the American, they're 6-3 and three right now. Again, they did not win a game. Mm-hmm. Mike Dunleavy's senior's final year. They are 6-3. and three. So, Ron Hunter, cheers, my man. And the dancing, shit, that was good. That was good. Fire one moves. of the most one of the most entertaining coaches in college basketball to have a conversation with Ron Hunter, also responsible for maybe my favorite NCAA moment, uh, NCAA so tournament good. moment of so all good. time when he fell off a scooter because he had a torn Achilles from celebrating when his son hit a game winning three against Baylor. Unbelievable moment. Shout out to Ron Hunter. Let's go Ron to Hunter. UTO. All right. I got a different one today. There's this is to a man that got his jersey retired at St. Bonaventure. And I sent you guys a picture of him earlier today. (laughs) This guy's name is Marquise Green. He's a school record holder and assists and steals. He was a three-time all-defensive player at St. Bonaventure. But that's not why. This is a man that defined an era, (laughs) the worst style in history. And we're going to have this picture. I sent you guys this picture earlier today. And it's going to show up on the screen. He defined the long shorts, the mid-calf shorts. This is, a, this is an era where guys still wore long sleeve T-shirts under regular sleeve T-shirts. This is 2004. We're still doing that, apparently, according to Rob Doster. But <laughs> come on, man. This is part of it. This is the year that the Carter, Lil Wayne's first rap album came out. He defined an era. <laughs> so congratulations to Marquise Green. He had a 15-year pro career, played for all the great teams in Europe. So good for him. Cheers to you, sir. Congratulations. De- definition of an era, 2004, the big Marquise shorts. Green. And no, it's not a Pabst Blue Ribbon, whoever's asking in the chat. It's a blue moon. It's something <laughs> blue. It's something blue. Um, all right, so my, my cheers is going out to Mike Young and the Virginia Tech Hokies. They've had a rough year. Everyone thought that this was going to be the year that they kind of broke through. They've had a really, really rough season, uh, but they went into Tallahassee today. They beat Florida State by 13 points, and they did it while shooting 18 for 25 from three. 18 for 25 from three. I don't know if I could walk into a gym. Yeah, I don't know if I could walk into a gym right now and shoot 18 for 25 from three without any defense. T.O., I don't know if you, yeah, oh, Theo could do it. No Come question. On. That's Are easy. That's easy right money. Now. You right let now. me know. Left-handed, I'd get close. <laughs> oh, come on. By myself, oh, nobody guarding me. Come way. on, Foster. Don't disrespect Either way, the kid over here. 18, 18 for 25 for three. Hunter <laughs> Couture hit nine of them. So uh, nice win for Mike Young. Nice, nice win for the Hokies. I think we all can agree that Mike Young is 
another one of the more entertaining characters in college basketballs. Toast up to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, hey, I, I was going to toast to Kirk Reeson today, to be honest, <laughs> for finally making a shot and looking like he had made like 25 straight the way he reacts. And I can't wait. I'm going to see him in person Thursday, guys. I, I cannot wait. I mean, maybe he has a head, maybe he has a headband for you, Jeff. He better remember when he, yes. he, he, yes. promised, yeah, he promised he you he a headband. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to put the headband on. Ask him on it. We're going to be twins, me and Kirk. Yep. <laughs> All right. So anyway, listen, this has been the field of 68 after dark. If you're still watching, please hit that like button, leave a comment, do something to interact with us. It really That's does right. help please the channel. It helps more like people button. find, it helps more people find smash that like button even retweet Hammer button too. go, go ahead shit. and smash that like button uh but anyways field of 68 after dark and hammer uh, dumpster all right sure. smash the like button and go ahead take a shot at dust show's today. over Dagan. just like just End like it. uh who was shows over what was his name which guy the guy who, who you said sucker punched you fluff oh fluff, fluff mciver yes. you got punched in the face by a guy named fluff Beat the shit out of Duster. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He didn't beat the shit out of me. He did not beat the. I. I don't know. I, do I want to? I don't know if I want to tell that story right no, now. No, you that, don't. That'll need. I need. But we'll little, get Fluff little, on. I can. I, I can track Fluff fluff. down. We're gonna get Fluff on and see if he remembers. Number. Do you want me to? Do you want me to Punch text him? Duster. He does. He does remember, and he gets. He gets. He gets mad every time I bring it up because like he. <laughs> <laughs> he works with he works with kids now. So. Oh no! Don't tell him that. Forget yeah, it. No, we need a we need a face to face with Dawson. We don't Dostor need him in the loser shop. Yeah, yeah. No, he's. I mean, he's a good guy. Like great guy. I've, I've great guy. I've spoken with him. But the, the best part about it is there's there's like only certain people that are going to know who Fluff is. Right. Um, That's and a lot of them. Fluff. A lot of. And a lot of them already hate me anyway. So, Dagan, are we done yet? Can we twelve nineteen? We got to get off by twelve twenty. We got to get off. The ended, Dagan. Please, right. I've been trying We're to end out. it for five minutes. <laughs>